Welcome to the Finding Nemo podcast. It's your host, Nemo. Today on the show, I brought in someone who's been like an older sister to me the last few months. Side note, I apologize for her saying anything wrong because she's from New York and (laughs) she struggles with that, but we're working on it. But that won't really matter because she is so passionate about the Lord and her faith. She's not afraid to share the good news with anyone and everyone, which is such a blessing to get to look up to her and watch her walk with the Lord. So please welcome Sam Malloy onto the show. Am I allowed to call you SJ on the show? Yeah, you can call okay, me SJ. Okay, I didn't know. Okay, would you like to say anything to the listeners? Well, you already threw me under the bus. What if it's not me who says the words wrong? What if it's actually you and I say it correctly? Well, everybody else says it like me. Mm, well, you so come up to the, the Northeast. And then... Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I might have some words at the end, but for now, I'm just ready for what you got. Okay. So, to start off, what is, like, your story and, like, basically your testimony and, like, how God worked through your life? Yes, so this is my favorite thing to share because on my own doing, there's just no good. But to see the Lord's hand in my life just fires me up, and so I might get a little passionate. But it all started back in Buffalo, New York. I was born around there, and um, if you know anything about the Northeast, other than our accents, we don't live in the Bible Belt, and just faith is not talked about talked about a lot and so I went to a church a Lutheran church up until about middle school and I was confirmed but that didn't really mean anything to me it was just kind of checking the box Um, and then the way that I grew up was just very um, performance based and and striving I think that I was born out of I knew that my parents just had a hard upbringing and I'd seen my family be pressured by finances at times and so in my mind I was like okay I'm never going to be a burden I'm just going to be a good kid who gets great grades and just has an awesome career and then I can take care of my family too and on top of that I have an older brother and he is just a genius and so that added to the competitiveness Um, and so I feel like growing up it was constantly just okay I got to be better I got to be better do more and then I would see my brother just killing it and I was like oh I'm one step behind always So that is kind of a lot of my childhood, and I think I got to the point in high school, um, I was involved in all these different things, sports and clubs, and um, really doing good academically, and I was like, okay, if I could just get into the college of my dreams, like, then it would all have been worth it, and I'll be able to breathe a little bit. So that ended up happening, got into my dream college, and I got there, and it was like all these things that I thought would just disappear were just that much harder, because I was in a really competitive school, um, just high academic performance everywhere I looked. And I was like, oh, goodness. Like in high school, it's almost easier to be like, not necessarily top of the class. But then you get to college and you're just a small fish swimming with a lot of different people. So then I had to put my head down and work even harder and told myself if I could just get the career of my dreams. And that at that point, it was being a veterinarian. And I wanted to do good and I wanted to do research and all these things that on a world standard seemed like a really great thing, but I was just grasping for control. And so I was going to grades, I was going to guys and was at this point that on paper, I looked like I was thriving, but internally I just was a hot mess. So I've never been, was never diagnosed or anything at the time, but would say that I struggle with anxiety, depression and eating disorder and was just felt so alone and I saw people as competition so if you were better than me at something Nemo it meant that like I had less value and so 
I took everything as a sign of me and just lived life so selfishly, um, which left me so isolated and alone. I mean, so at that point, I was just looking for love and worth in anything because I wasn't getting it by successes and met a guy who was different than any guy that I met before, like wasn't into drinking or drugs or anything like that. I'm like, wow, this is too good to be true. It's a fairy tale. And um, what in my mind, I was just so blinded because I was in such a low place that that relationship started out of um, cheating on his girlfriend, which is obviously not honoring at all. And um, I shared my story a few nights ago at the fort, but I, I said this as well. That part of my story, I would have never normally have shared up until a few months ago, maybe a year ago, because I was so ashamed of that and it broke me. But now I can say that and know that my identity is not found in what I've done or what I will continue to do, but in who Christ has made me to be. And that is free from the past that I lived. And so through that, and I say this in part of my story because that was the first time that any of my actions had actually like had a direct effect on someone else's life and so before then the competition it was like in my mind I was doing good like I was being a productive member of society but this was like an all-time low and I remember going to bed crying and praying I'm like Lord I don't even know if you're real but if you are save that girl like allow her to trust in guys again allow her to trust in people because I have messed it up and the thought of me ruining her life was just like so much for me to bear and so I can see looking back how the Lord used the most broken time in my life to begin drawing me to him because I was praying to him, a God that I didn't even believe yeah. because on the off chance that he was real, I wanted her to experience freedom. And I was like, I don't need that. I don't deserve that. I know that I'm a mess, but save her. So anyway, that began a process of, um, I started going to church with his family and hearing more about Christianity in a way that I hadn't before in was very skeptical but I was like there's something about this and came to senior year of college um, had gotten into vet school was supposed to be like the pinnacle of everything but I just felt empty I was like is this it like there's got to be more and so the question that I would wake up every single day I was like if we're all gonna die one day the world's gonna end what is the point of me going to college like making my life miserable studying doing all these things what is the point of doing research or even doing good there's got to be something more. And honestly, now I ask people that, whether it's people from home who don't believe in Jesus or just people I meet here in Branson, I ask, hey, what is your purpose? And when people respond, they're just like, I don't know. I'm just living. I'm like, we have to figure that out. Yeah. And it's crazy to me because I, like the Lord just put that so heavy on my heart. Like if I don't have purpose, what is the point? And it is just sad to me that people are going through life without that because there is so much purpose. I'm going to get to that. But anyway, so backtrack. Still senior year of college, that question's weighing heavily on me. And then as I'm going to church with this family, I start thinking more of like, okay, if God is real, I need to know. So if he is awesome, if he's not awesome, I didn't really care what the outcome was, but I knew that I had to figure it out. And I started looking into seminary school, but remember, I'm not a believer up in New York. Family's not believers. And um, well, at least they, they're not necessarily in full pursuit of the Lord. Um, and so this idea of seminary, I thought that meant like, I'm going to go be a nun. And I didn't want to do that. But I'm so like, lost. I know. I'm like, I had no idea what that meant because the ministry, all of that, just I didn't know what that was. So 
I was looking in different programs. None of them really like seemed like it would be it. And then so randomly through Instagram, I was following this fashion blogger and her name at the time was Brighton Keller. I think it might be Brighton Butler now, but she would talk about faith in a really intellectual way. And I kind of trusted what she was saying. I was like, huh, that makes sense. Um, and then she posted her friend had gone to the Canicook Institute, which is here in Branson. And I looked into it. It was a nine month program to study the Bible and be confident in why you believe what you believe. And for me, I was like, again, I didn't care what what it was that I was going to believe, but I just needed to be solid in it. So I ended up declining vet school in April, right about to graduate, graduated with no job, nothing going like nothing going forward. My family's like, what are you doing? All of the people I'm graduating with are like, uh, okay. And I'm just like, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. End up getting into the Institute. Was so excited. Come down here. And I just look back now and see the Lord's hand. Like, it makes no sense why I left the things that I did behind. Because on a world senior, I was making it. But according to the Lord and his purpose, I wasn't doing that. So came down here to Branson showed up and I was like, oh no, what have I done? If you've ever been to Cape Kauai, there's just like fake plastic palm trees everywhere. And that is a concerning sight to see when you come from Buffalo, New York. But I was like, okay, I'm here. So what are we, what's going on? And then the people were so nice. I thought it was fake because it was like, no one actually cares this much about me. And I remember seeing people worship for the first time, eyes closed, hands open. I'm like, oh no, I do not belong here. But then we would sit in class and he chanty would talk and all these speakers would come in and I'm on the edge of my seat just soaking it in like what is like what are these people believing and there was this time where we had um like all the girls broke off and we got to confess sin in our life just really hard things that we had never shared before and I remember just breaking down and and sharing things and the people that I thought were fake still came to me and were treating me the same way, asking me the same questions, and genuinely loving me. And it was in that moment that I started to realize this love that they were showing me was different because it was a reflection of the love that Jesus has already poured out on the cross for me. And for the first time in my life, I actually began to experience that rather than just hearing that from the church or from people who said that they are Christians but didn't actually live that out. And Pretty shortly after that, we had to share our testimony. And I remember the night before, I'm so nervous because I'm like, "Uh, I don't actually know what my story is. So I cannot sleep. I go outside at midnight and just bring my Bible, open it for like the first time and start reading things, trying to write down what my story is. And I just break down. I'm like, Lord, I don't have a testimony. And that night I gave my life to Christ and said, I surrender. I'm done. Like I'm done living for myself and my grades and everything that I can accomplish on my own. And the next day got to share that the Lord had changed my heart. And from then it's been three years. And I mean, everything has changed. What once was hopelessness, purposelessness, don't want anything to do with people because I'm just going me, me, me. I'm like, I have life now. And all I want to do is talk to people. And like I said before, share that there is purpose. And for the first time, understanding that my purpose is not in who Sam Malloy can be, how great she can be and what she can do, but it's in who God has made me. And that is like the most simple thing, but the most like complicated yeah. thing to wrap your mind around. But when you actually, I don't know, just believe that everything changes. So that is kind of the long winded side of it. But then 
I also just want to, I think it's easy for, as a new believer, I heard people, I, I saw people in a lens of like, wow, they are just like, have it all together right now, just killing it. And I, as a believer, was just like, wait, I'm still struggling with these things. There's still like perfectionism and pride. And sometimes I am critical. And the eating disorder that I talk about, like, didn't just vanish. It's still something that I struggle with today. And I like share that because no one just because you know Christ it doesn't mean that wipes away every single thing but it's that does not that's not my identity anymore we become new creations in him and now it's like the fight is not our own I get to fight from a place of victory with Christ rather than I have to do this to be better so that's kind of the story that the Lord has written for my life so far thank you for sharing yeah I know it takes a lot to share that but it speaks life into people and just like listening just like really encouraged me even though I've heard your story already like just hearing you talk about it and you just have a smile on your face like even though you're going through all this hard stuff like you're still smiling and you're talking about at Kawaii, like KI you felt like the real love of people like you're like this is different and like I felt that love at camp and like mm. everybody will have that moment in their life once they get saved, it's like they realize that there's a greater love than the worldly love. And that's just like pushes me. And I know it pushes you just like to show people that love because it changed your life and it will change others. Mm-hmm. And so it's just super encouraging to hear that from you. That's so good. And I think it's too, it's this idea of, oh, I, I actually know Jesus now, but it's not just knowing Jesus. It's like he says, we need to follow him to de- deny ourselves and follow him and that like takes work and so yeah. that's where it's like we have this joy and it can experience abundant life now but we also have to put in work to follow in that's the discipline and the hard follow-up of it but it is so worth it it is yeah like once you realize that it just takes over your life like you keep saying mm-hmm. so my next question is you talked about like you struggle with like perfectionism and like having the feeling that you have to prove yourself to parents And that's, like, what makes your identity. Like, what advice would you give to someone who, like, struggles with that thought and just, like, everything has to be perfect or my world is a mess? Yeah, that is so good. And it's actually something that even now the Lord is teaching me a different side of that. So I have this mentor. Her name is Angie Woods. She's incredible. And she asked me this question. She said, Sam, do you believe that if you sat home, didn't go to work, just were on the couch all day, did nothing and chose to be lazy, that you would have just as much value as if you went out, got after it for the kingdom, like went to work, were discipling girls, shared the gospel, five people came to Christ, would you have as much value? And I was like, no, like I would not be, I would not be productive. I would not be actually using what God has gifted me in. And she's like, but don't you see that's not how God sees you. He doesn't give you more value because you do more things. He looks at you right now, and this is a verse I've been wrestling is Isaiah 43. And in the beginning, he's talking about, I've redeemed you. I've chosen you by name. And then verse four, he says, you are precious in my sight. You are honored and I love you. And I think for so long, since like the last three years, I viewed God's love for me almost in a general sense. And I use this analogy the other day, but 
like we I thought of it as God looks down at this ant hill and he sees all these little like humans running around and he loves all of them but I'm like that's not how God works he looks down but then he can like zone in on each of our faces and he's like no I intimately know you I know the hardest things the the highlights of your life I know them and I see you right now in the middle of it and you are precious and I honor you and I love you and when I think of the God of the universe the creator like looking at me in that moment in whether it's in sin or struggle or like wanting to be better do more and he's like hey I love you it's like that does not make sense to me I could never ever deserve that and so I think to go back to your question of if if you're someone who struggles with like just trying to earn 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 and do more and more we know that we cannot one I can't earn salvation it's by grace through faith that I'm saved but then it's not I don't have to earn anything after that either. I don't have to earn his love. I don't have to. It's like he's not punish me, punishing me or guilting me for what I do. He's like, hey, Nemo, I love you right now. And even if you're struggling, I see you and I love you. There's no shame in that. Let me walk with you. And I think when I begin to understand God, God's character like that, it just, it like, it brings freedom. I'm like, okay, I, I can get through this and it doesn't have to be more 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 but let me just be with him and not work for him so i would say that would be my advice yeah and that's like i needed to hear that because recently i've been struggling with the thought that i have to prove myself and like work for his love Mm. it's like right when i got saved i like knew i didn't have to work for it and like it was just like felt perfect and like the last few months like just helping out the fort like just proving myself like I have to do my best and like the Lord has to use me and then like the realization that it doesn't have to be that way it's just if he wants to use you he'll use you and like he's gonna do it at his time and you don't have to like work for his love either right and he talks about how our righteous deeds are dirty rags and it's like I know that when I said that Rags, that is going to be the accent, but... Rags. <laughs> Rags. Um, he says that, so it's like what you're saying, oh, I have to be better for the force so that people will hear truth and know. It's like, but you don't. Because the best version that you can be, it's like, it's literally dirty rags to God. Yeah. And that's not, oh, pitiful me, but it's like, that is how good God is. That when I am we, it talks about in, uh, oh, is it First Corinthians? Second Corinthians 12. And it says... Um, my power is perfected. His power is perfected in my weakness. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. If I'm weak and broken, it's like that leaves room for God to work. But if I'm perfect and I've got it all together, there's no need for God to have a hand in it. And I don't want that. Like, I don't want a life where he's not moving. And so I get to boast in my weakness and I get to proclaim the things of my past and where I'm struggling now because that's not what we're defined by. Yeah. And that's like hit me hard recently because I'm just I was just exhausted last week and I was talking to Grant and he was like there's nothing you can do to earn his love mm-hmm. like, and like you said it's dirty rags mm-hmm. and so just that thought just like makes you just want to go read your word and not work for him like still like everything you do needs to be for him but like not strive to do it for yourself almost yeah and it's so simple to say that but it's so hard to, I think, sometimes actually believe that. So it's like yeah. choosing to flex that muscle of, like, okay, God, even though in this moment I'm operating out of a belief of I have to do more to earn your love right now, I'm going to choose to believe that that's not the case. So help me. Because I think I think as Christians too, we 
we identify the lie. So like you just said, okay, the lie is that I'm trying to earn his love or I have to do more. And then we're told like, okay, what's the truth? God loves you. Nemo, believe it. And then it's like, I have felt in this place of, okay, but I still don't believe that. So what do I do with that? And I've given myself grace in that. Okay, I can wrestle with the lie and bring that to the Lord and say, okay, God, I want to be at a place where I believe your truth and I believe that you love me now, but I'm not, I'm currently not doing that. Can you help me to understand? Can you help me to experience that love in a new way? And for me, no longer am I putting on this fake facade of, okay, I just believe that because then I'm being a Pharisee of I'm saying one thing, but not actually in my heart, um, living that out. But if I acknowledge, help me to get there, it's like, that's real. And I want to do that. So that's like a practical tip for me when I'm, I'm praying to the Lord of going from the lie to the truth without just stamping it on and moving yeah, away yeah. from it. Yeah. So for my next question, what is like the most impactful thing you learned at the Institute other than you getting saved because that's, that's the evident answer. Yeah, that's but. the top of the list. I think I was talking to a friend about this the other day, actually. Uh, We had gone to the Institute together, and we both would say that we began living our lives for the Lord at the Institute, and I think because of that, a lot of it was over our heads. Like, we're learning some pretty deep theological things there, and I'm just, I knew Noah's Ark coming in. I didn't know any other story, and so it was studying Revelation. I was just so confused on what was happening. (laughs) So I could go back to KI now and still probably, probably learn a whole new thing, but for me, the coolest part was I would be in class from eight to noon, and then I'd go to lunch, and then I would go, and I actually worked at Big Whiskey's on the landing, uh, which is just like a, an American restaurant. That's, they have really good cop salads if <laughs> you really want a cop salad. Hey, By the way. Yeah. Yeah. They're a great place. And going from class and taking all this stuff, and then being in a place where if you've ever worked in the restaurant industry, like it is pretty dark, and a lot of my friends there were either currently in rehab or just out of a rehab program, and it was a lot to be around. Like it it was heavy, but I get to share what I was learning. And I think where believers get it wrong so often, and I can quickly fall into this too, is we're so focused on, this is tying into what we were talking about of like growing and sharpening ourselves and being better. And that's born out of a good thing. Like God tells us that we should be maturing and growing, but why? And the why is so that we can go and make disciples, so that we can grow God's kingdom and bring people in. And so I got to see, okay, I'm learning all this stuff and then got to tangibly hands on share that with people and saw the fruit of just bringing people to church and having conversations. And it took for the first time the emphasis off of myself and I just got to pour as I was being poured into. So I think the biggest lesson of it's not just about learning and growing and being better, but what am I doing with that? Like, I want to share that with God's kingdom and to have that new believer right off the bat getting to start to live that out was by far the, the most helpful thing of the Institute. Yeah. And it's, of course, like talking about, I, I worked at a golf course. Yeah. And I work at Lincoln now, update. but New job, eh? I like it a lot more just because of the community I am around. But working at that golf course is super draining. Mm. Did you ever feel that, like working at Big Whiskey's, just being around that culture? Yeah, I mean, 
It's hard because yeah. I had no, I had one other person who I worked with from the Institute and I'm thankful for that because we kind of got to share what was going on there. But when you're alone and you're isolated and everyone around you is not a believer or following the Lord in the way you are, like that is taxing. And so I think there's an element of you have to be careful and make sure that you're being poured into just as you're pouring out. And that's the balance. Like for me all day, I was being poured into and then I got to go and pour out. But if that is my only outlet, I have to be intaking somewhere. So whether that's direct discipleship of having a mentor or me knowing how to actually study scripture on my own and being filled from the Lord and not just from what people are telling me. So it definitely, I felt that a lot, but it helped me grow too. It helped me understand that I can't just rely on the people around me because that was my life. It was, I'm just going to go with the flow of what the world is telling me and it left me broken. And so to learn now, okay, I get to discipline myself so that I can stand firm in my faith and what God says again, way harder, but we have to do that is so essential. Yeah. That's, it's a good learning experience for sure. Mm-hmm. And for my next question, I kind of asked on the last podcast and I kind of like it. And so I'm probably going to ask it to everybody now. And it's what memory do you hope you never forget? Cause I lost my memory mm-hmm. and I just hope people realize like how precious memories are and like not to blow them off. So what is like something you hope you never forget? That is such a good question. I love that you asked that. My mind's filtering through all these things. I'm like, ah, I can only think one. I think, hmm, I don't know if I have a specific moment that I would want to remember, but I never want to lose just the brokenness. I never want to lose sight of how broken I was and still am, but, I mean, I was in the depths, and because of that, it makes knowing the Lord that much sweeter. And I just never want to take salvation for granted. And so I pray that that fervor and that just joy for salvation never, ever goes away. That just turning point. It really was like it talks about in scripture, death to life, but I don't ever want to forget that. So that's like a vague answer, but I think there's this, even in the fall right now, I feel like little moments of with my family, cause I'm away from them now and in, Branson, which is a very far away from New York, I just have moments of like in the fall, we're all raking leaves and as little kids, we would jump in and like, oh, I miss that with my family and my parents and love them so much. So I think that's a more tangible uh, example, but yeah. there's a lot of things I yeah, can say. It's like the question, like, what's your favorite movie? You're like, what's your favorite song? You're yeah. Like, I'm like, I cannot pick. pick one. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. It's a good thing not to be able to pick. It's true. So some lighthearted questions. Are you Thanks- ready? Thanksgiving is coming up. Yes. So like, what is Thanksgiving for you? And like, you're from New York, so I don't know if they do it different <laughs> from down here. We don't celebrate New Year's Thanksgiving up there. Like, no, really? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a U.S. thing. No, it's only in Missouri. No, no I'm kidding. No, you stop. <laughs> that was evil me. Yeah, we're just kidding. Oh, I forgot to check the timer. Sorry, side side note, we, me and Nemo started this, um, what is this called? Time capsule? No. It's, a, it's no, it's a, what is it called? <laughs> it's the thing you flip over and sand pours out. Not a, a time. It's not a time capsule. Those are like. <laughs> you put them in the ground. You guys know what we're talking about. But anyway, we started it and we have a bit on how long it is. 
But uh, I think it, I think it was five minutes. Well, I started at forty-seven, so let's just start again. Oh. It's eleven oh one right now. We'll see who's right. Okay, back to the question. The question was Thanksgiving. What is Thanksgiving, that like? Yeah. Yes. So growing up, we would always go to my grandma's house or one of my aunt's house, and my whole mom's side of the family would gather and celebrate. But actually, since I've been a believer, I've not been home for Thanksgiving because New York is very far away, and I never fly. I always drive, so it's like 15, 16 hours. Why? Why, why do you do that The flights yourself? out of Springfield are so expensive. Okay, yeah. So I and I would rather like have my car at home to be able to get around and visit people. So, and I go home in Christmas, so it's hard to, like, go home for Thanksgiving and then, like, three weeks later go home again. So I save it for Christmas. But since I've been in Branson, the people have been so welcoming. I got to do my first Thanksgiving as a believer with um, Jen and Don Ford, and that was a highlight of a memory because that I remember, I mean, the best hosts, and they went around and we got to say what we were thankful for, and I remember just sitting at the table crying and saying, I'm so thankful that I get to experience Thanksgiving knowing Jesus. And, you know, that is still true today. So, anyway, and I remember Don Ford's answer. He said, X amount of years later, I'm in the same place. Like, Jesus is still more real to me than he ever has been. And I was just like, oh, I hope one day when I'm this many years down the road, I can say the same thing. And three years going strong. Yeah, so hopefully. three years, you're making it. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm usually here for Thanksgiving. So you don't get to experience the New York, not the New York side of it, but you know maybe in the future. But here it's it's just it's fun here too yeah, because Branson gets all into Christmas and yeah, Christmas lights. Christmas forever. is already here. Chick Fil A, like you can't see the building because there's so many lights on it. Wait, really? Have you not seen it? I haven't night? been there. No, it's crazy. Like it's like they're doing like a three year deal. This is so random. Okay. Three year deal and like each year they're gonna add more and more lights. Whoa. And you can't really see the building because it's like they like put lights down the side of it. Like string lights, string no, lights hanging down, they, or they did some fancy thing where it just like put lights up there, but it looks like string lights. Huh? I'm I don't gonna have under, to check. I it don't out. understand. Do it. a drive by at night. Yeah. So for my next question, it's still it has to do with New York, because I'm just curious about New York. <laughs> so what are like some things I need to know about it? Oh, okay. I'll say this, and I'm gonna say people will probably disagree with me. Upstate New York, Western New York, there's nothing better in the fall. It is beautiful, kind of like the Ozarks in the fall. In the winter, we have snow sports. We get a ton of snow, lake effect from Lake Erie, but it's kind of long and kind of cold. And in the spring, it just is beautiful seasons. I'm a big fan, and I'm going to expose myself here as a New Yorker. I've never been to New York City, so I think... I still can't believe that, like... I know. That is the one thing I would do. I know. Well, you should go to Buffalo and go to a Bills game. Hey, go Bills. (laughs) Yeah, it's just kind of far from my house, so I never um, made it down there. But but you'll drive 15 hours. Well, this is where I live now. <laughs> it's one of those things where when you live there, you don't realize that you're like, oh, I can always go whenever I want. But now that I don't live there, I'm like, dang, I should have probably gone when I lived there. Probably. But that's why Western New York is so special because it's just amazing that I've never felt like I had to go to the city, you know? So maybe you should. So where, where's New York? You say upstate and then western. I'm, where's okay, New York? Okay. So I think a lot of people refer to anything that's not the island, like Long Island, New York City, as upstate. But I, where I personally live, so people can refer to Buffalo as upstate. But 
if you're actually from Buffalo, you say Western New York. So I'm from Western New York. Isn't Buffalo, like, right by the Statue of Liberty? No. Statue of Liberty is down in New York City. Buffalo is up. We're, like, close to Canada. Probably where I live, probably an hour, okay. 45 minutes from Canada. Okay. Kind of Canada and then Pennsylvania I'm pretty close to. So I'm in the... I'm really bad at directions. What the West? The I'm Western. So, I'm so, so lost. Anyways, I need to draw a picture for you after. Yeah, I need a picture or something. <laughs> we need to have a map up now. Well, if I would lived in New York, I would have pulled up to the Statue of Liberty like every weekend. Yeah, I need to go. I need to go see it. Maybe we can do a fourteen trip and we'll yeah, go visit. Yeah, we'll, we'll drive up there. Yeah, drive. Of course, we, won't we fly. cannot fly. <laughs> Okay, so usually I ask, how do boats float? And mm. Joe, I kind of, like... He explained blew, it? Blew the ant, like... He had a story about, like... A, they were, like, pulling... <coughs> they were on a boat, and there was, like, NFL be, NFL player being pulled, and the boat flips. It, like, it was, like, a while ago when boats flipped. <laughs> they can't flip now. <laughs> they can't flip now. I don't know what it is, but they can't flip. And, like, there's a dad and a son in the boat, and... It's in Tanikoma, which is freezing. Mm. And is this is a real story. This is a real story. Okay. Because Joe White always has the greatest yeah, stories he, for everything. The best like, storyteller. It's crazy. <clears throat> and the dad's swimming around and like can't find the kid, and he's like freaking out and thinking the kid drowned. And like the last chance, like effort, he goes under the boat, and his son's just swimming there. Just in the air pocket. Air pocket. <laughs> and the dad's like. Why did you go under here? Like, why? And he's like, I knew you'd come for me. Like, you always come for me. You'd be here for me. Mm. And he, Joe's like, and that's why boats float. Because the air pocket underneath, it's like, when it's right side up, there's still an air pocket. And it holds it up. Okay, hang on. But if the bow is upside down, so you have, I'm thinking of a bowl. Like, yeah, just yeah, the shape yeah, of the yeah. boat. When it's upside down, as in it's flipped, you have that air because it's like a... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but when it's right side up, there's is there an air pocket? It's, when does the well, water be flush against the boat? Yes, but there's like an air pocket in the bottom. Like they oh. make, that's how they make the boats. That's what I found out after researching it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's like the bowl's flipped over right side, and then there's a plate over the bowl, and then we we stand on the plate, so there's still an air pocket. So what about something that is solid but floats? I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a question for you. How do you stay solid things? I don't know. Yeah. I think it has something to do with what well, God is good. God, God is, is good. good. <laughs> that is why things float. Okay, I think I think we need to end after that. <laughs> Our brains hurt now. Yeah. Um, is there anything you'd like to say before we go? You know, I think I just want to encourage you, Nemo, and I I don't want to encourage you because you're doing this podcast and you're doing you're helping with the fort and you're doing all these awesome things. Like, yes, I think those things are great and amazing, but Mike, you could not be doing any of that and I would still be your biggest fan. You are sold out for Jesus and that doesn't mean you're without struggles and without problems, but like God looks at you and he's like, "You are amazing." And I just want to just breathe that over you like you are awesome because you were the Lord's and I hope that everyone even listening to this it's like you don't need to be running a podcast you don't need to be in ministry or if you're in school you don't have to be getting the best grades like if you're listening to this 
you're amazing simply because you're God's creation and yeah. there's nothing you have to do. And that is crazy. I don't think we need to end on anything else but that. We'll end on that. <laughs> but I do want to thank you for jumping on here and just being vulnerable and sharing your struggles because that's what like pushes people when they hear testimonies. Like that's so powerful. Everybody has a testimony and I encourage you guys to share it with everyone and not be afraid to like hide your faith away from your friends and stuff because that's what matters most and not what they think of you because crazy enough like once they hear that you are passionate about God most of the time they like oh I'm passionate about God too like mm-hmm. and if even if not you get a chance to share that with them and like your passion and your faith and like how good God is mm. And so I just encourage you guys to share it with anyone and everyone. And yeah. SJ is like a perfect example of that. Yeah. Like we went to Big Whiskey's the other night and she went off and talked to this guy. <laughs> he had like Satan is... Hail Satan, I think. Hail Satan. And like she talked to him for like 30 minutes. He was my past coworker. And mm. so that's it's just cool to watch you just like pouring at people. Mm. Just like you're not planning on talking to him yet. You took the time of your day to do it. Yeah. So don't be afraid to be different. The world has so many people who are trying to be the same and we just got to go BS, live our lives. Amen. Come on. All right. This has been the Finding Nemo podcast and we'll be seeing you.